Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails. I'm your host, John. I'm back with my bestie, Nikki. Nikki, how are you? I'm tired. <laughs> how are you doing? I feel like you say that often. I know, tired. especially lately. I'm tired. It's the whole having a toddler thing. Mm. And also, I just happen to be like super busy at work right now. It's like taking over all my brain space. Right. I don't think it doesn't get any better as your kids get older and because you age at the same time. So, like, right, right. I feel like the constant exhaustion it just lasts. How are until, you doing? I, I'm tired. You are tired. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, oh, I've okay. been doing this for 20 something years. Yeah, no, I'm okay. A little bittersweet day today. It's my youngest birthday. Happy birthday, Meg, who's not going to oh. listen to this, but I'll say Great. it anyway. And, She's down at college, so I'm not spending her birthday with her. She turned 20, so I no longer have teenagers. And oh, my gosh. So it feels bittersweet and happy for her, and it's just weird. I will, Here's a funny thing. You'll like this, though. She messages me last night. She, first thing she did when she went back this semester is her second semester at UC, and she, she goes down. First thing she does is get a cat. Right. Get, love that. Yeah, because this little kitten names him Grape. He's very cute. Grape? And That's grape. so cute. Oh yeah, my I, God. I, okay. I should have brought in a photo because she knitted him a hat. Oh, he has yeah, a little you hat. That. You have a he picture. Little, you have to send me that. I do. And his little ears stick out. It's really cute. He's a cute <laughs> little cat. But yeah, she got him from the pound. She just went and adopted this little cat. Anyway, she messages last night and I get this photo of her with the cat in the care going going to our first vet visit she's got a big smile on her face and then about two hours later i get a message in all caps that says oh my god that was 189 dollars to tell me he's perfectly healthy uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then i get a second text that goes and now i know what a deductible is uh, it took this for me to learn yeah i'm like okay i'm like first of all why are you paying a deductible she's like well i've got cat insurance i'm like uh-huh. i'm like this is a, a kitten that you just got at the pound. You probably paid five bucks for. You'll pay more in insurance than you did for the whole cat. Yeah, you know? but pet insurance is totally, it's totally worth it if you can get it 100%. I think it's, yeah, I think it is in most cases. I'm I'm probably, I don't know, I'm weird about it. If you have, like you have, you have big pets, you have big yeah, dogs yeah. or big animals, they get super expensive. But when these are like little a little stray no, from right. the people gonna hate me for saying I shouldn't have pet insurance for this little five dollar kitten, but it's just it's no, a from the I get it. I get where you're coming from. Like I have well, and this kind of leads into a pretty bummer of a topic, but we can talk about it. So I have Bernice Mountain Dogs, which they have a lot of health problems. They have like short life expectancies, like six to eight years. So we never got pet insurance on our boys because it was Oh, expensive. It would have been like a car payment for both of them because they're just like they're dogs that are known to have health issues. So and but also rewind. I had a I had a Pomeranian that lived to be like almost 16 years old. Do you remember Ruby? No, Ruby's before my time. Was she? Oh, that's a bummer. She was the best. She was like four and a half pounds and she was big, just black floof ball. And I loved her. I bought her with my bat mitzvah money. Yeah, definitely before my time. But yeah, also true, right? Yes. But she just had a, a few years ago and I could never get pet insurance on her because she was born with a pre-existing condition. I shit oh. you not. I could not make this up. Same rules apply to pets. But anyway, here's the bummer that I'm dealing with right now. So my old burner last week was diagnosed with leukemia. How old is he? Oh, he's 10. 
and a half. Oh, that's old for a Bernice. Yeah, their life expectancy is only yeah. 68. Isn't that sad? I mean, that doesn't make it less sad, but. No, that's a yeah. bummer. I know it's really yeah. tough. And so we're not, we're not going to do chemo. I mean, he's so old and he's pretty like frail on his feet. You know what I mean? Right. And he's yeah. been, he's been full on incontinent for like two years. Yeah. Like full ass belly bands every day. Like we got a good system. We do like double belly bands, keep his little pips in there. Mm. And he just has zero sphincter control. He hasn't mm. for years because he had this tumor on his pancreas that we found that we had to, or on his spleen, and we yeah. had to have that removed. It's like a whole thing. So he's, but he's very happy and he's like very active, but it's just really important to me that, I don't know, he's like very comfortable. So we're not going right. to do chemo because his body just could not handle it. Ugh. So we put him on prednisone, but it's like hard to know. Like I, he's already losing weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in, it's been like two weeks since his initial diagnosis, and he's already like looking frail. And I'm like, shit, this is gonna happen fast, isn't it? Ugh, I'm not ready. I didn't have it on my 2023 bingo card. Losing a dog. Um, I'm sorry blows bad at this stuff you know what would help through this time is a black persian cat i'll happily send bane to you (laughs) can you ship him my way because i will put him in a box and just send him to you as fast as i (laughs) will he snuggle me or will he be like listen bitch Uh, yeah he probably would over time you know (laughs) over well i mean you'd have to give him a week he's he's not just going to jump in your lap and be affectionate he's going to need a little time to figure it out so I'm a dog he, person. I need immediate affection. Yeah, he's not like dog. They're not yeah. like dogs. You gotta you gotta work for it with a cat. It's annoying. Yeah, I feel Completely that. Annoying. As long as you're, when you're feeding them, though, you're their best friend. So oh, I can do that. I can provide many treats. Yeah. Tell Bean I'm ready for him. He's all in. He will be Bean all and Grape. In. I know. Have they well, met Gra- yet? No, no. I'm sure Grape will be visiting over christmas because their mom the girl's mom's has a a big dog and never been around cats and so why risk that yeah, so yeah. rather let him deal with being you just keep him in a separate room let him smell each other through the door yeah figure it out their little noses like under the crack where the door and the door don't meet yeah cats are weird man you can't just like, put them in the same room or they just have at it you gotta ease them into it they gotta be in separate rooms for a few days and then they have to see each other for a few days and then you can test the water just it's really dumb like with dogs you just let them play right away uh-huh yeah it's like integrating chickens which is a yeah. giant pain in the ass and Probably. stresses me out incredibly we've had to do it twice and every time i'm like yeah my heart yeah it's annoying i wish i'd gotten two when i got him i should have got a sister too but what are you gonna do how long have you had been Hmm. Since, damn, that's a good question. Twenty seventeen, maybe. Dang. All right, you've yeah. had him for a while already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's getting he's five or six at this point. I thought he'd mellow out and become nice, and he's just gotten big and grumpy. Oh my so, God, like, that's that's my younger dog. I thought he'd mellow out and just chill, but he's just gotten enormous and has zero chill, and thinks he's a lap dog, and he just like. He acts like a puppy, but he's 115 pounds. Like, Griff, you're too much. <laughs> Good Lord. Jeez. Well, Ugh. well, that's that's all that's going on with me. I got, actually, I'm going to 
I'm seeing Small Town Strong this weekend. Have you seen this? Dale King, no. who runs PK. Oh, yeah. I've heard of it. Can you give background on what it what it is? I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah, well, so Dale runs CrossFit down in Portsmouth, Ohio, and they help people with drug addiction and get them out of drug addiction, most importantly. And He's been doing that for some time. I mean, there's a huge fentanyl problem down in Southern yeah. Ohio and like a lot. And because of that, obviously lots of addicts and yeah, he's been doing that for some time. So they just did this documentary called small town strong and it just actually came out today on Apple TV and they're entered it in the Chagrin Falls film festival that's happening this week and it premieres Rad. on Saturday night. So Dale will be in town. So I want to hang out with him for a little bit and go see the movie and uh, yeah that's what the weekend's gonna look like pretty fun yeah we've had him on the show before those episodes mm -hmm. are worth listening to is he still a regional rep for crossfit no no he's not doing that currently yeah when they changed that who was one of the ones that got changed got but it. but he's wildly invested in the community he knows everybody you know and we might get him on before we may get him on the show at some point soon i gotta talk to him yeah. about it so he can talk about the documentary but Supposed to be really good. Haven't seen it yet, obviously, but I'm looking forward to it. So we'll time with my CrossFit friends this weekend. Well, that's fun. I love seeing CrossFit friends in real life. I feel like it only happens a couple times a year. Yeah, I feel like I haven't seen my CrossFit friends locally. I mean, I've just work's been crazy. I haven't been getting to the gym enough. I've been working out here when I feel like it. And seriously, I mean, I'm just being honest. It's not. I'm not doing my six days a week like I've been doing. And so I feel like I haven't seen anyone. Like, really haven't. I actually feel that, too. I haven't gone to the gym in the last like, three days just because I've been working so much at home. And that's that's what sucks. Like, you wake up in the morning and you're like, damn, my schedule is packed. But at least I'm going to hit the 530. And then 515 rolls around. And you're right. like, there's no way I can leave my desk right now. Like, it's just not happening. And then my mind does the like, okay, well, maybe I can just work for another half hour and then I could just go for a run because that also right. makes me feel better and clears my head and then half an hour goes by and i'm like you know, i'm not getting up there's yeah, no way there's exactly. so much to do i hate when that happens those patterns are rough because stepping into the gym is good for my mental health and not having that is really tough yeah no it's tough it's tough for me too for sure did i tell you i coached a class what i did Wait. i meant i forgot to tell you about this tell um, me. yeah Jen tricked me into shit. Well, yeah, she tricked me. Her and Tom were going somewhere for a CrossFit thing. Actually, it wasn't Tom wasn't going. It was Jen and our head coach were going to the affiliate meeting, the Midwest affiliate meeting down in Cincinnati oh. a week or so ago. And Jen messaged me and she's like, hey, we don't have any coach Saturday. I can cancel the classes or you can do it. I'm like, what the hell? Okay, <laughs> you're, you're taking our head coach to an affiliate meeting and leaving the gym without anyone coaching and I'm just finding out about it at five o'clock on a Friday for Saturday morning classes. I'm like, all right, I'll coach it. And I'd like to say my biggest accomplishment was figuring out how to get the timer to work. I was really proud of myself. That in and of itself, you get the medal for the day. Well, see, everyone listening is going to be like, well, what's so hard about hitting the start button? Uh, every know. coach knows. Every coach knows. Well, it wasn't that. It would, Not only was it that I, you had to do far more than hit the start button, Jen had programmed a workout that was basically, I forget how many rounds. It was seven rounds, but there were four-minute rounds. So I had to figure out how to program for seven rounds, four minutes each. 
mm-hmm. on the fly. There's no like no direction book for the stupid rogue timer. So that yep, no every people... timer every timer is its own like yeah. mystery and how to figure out. And at that point, I usually just count up, and I'm the timer for yeah, everyone well, if I can't figure it out. No, we had it. I, I figured it out pretty quickly and. It was a little bit of confusing workout, but I got it. Google was my best friend, so I figured that out, and it went well. Like, I mean, it wasn't much different than when Ben and I are talking about coaching people in scale and bail, mm-hmm. other than it was mm-hmm. live and in person. And I did have a couple. Of, they had a new family there; it was literally new to CrossFit, and so that was like a fun experience to get yeah. a wave people off from doing dumb things. Like, yep, uh, it was a lot of reps of Devil's Press, and the guy was a pretty big dude. You tell he'd worked out before, but new to CrossFit, and he's got two dumbbells in front of him, both forty pounds each, and he's wearing running shoes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, buddy, put one away. Yeah, put yeah, one away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're using a single, not a double, and yeah. let's walk through it a few times so you don't absolutely get that thing out in front of you. Sit you in these running shoes and dislocate your shoulder or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a smart move. It is the number one priority. It was a smart move because he was in a bad place after a couple of rounds. It was pretty funny. So I bet. When I first started coaching, which is a million years ago at this point, I really only wanted to coach like on ramp. I really only wanted to coach new people to CrossFit because I felt this real like I never I did not have this like calling to be a coach. But when I fell in love with CrossFit, I thought to myself, if I can do this and I can love this and I can truly reap the benefits of it in a way that I never expected, then I am the perfect candidate to talk to other me's (laughs) who like were not gym rats and were not, I was, I've been active my whole life, but like, I was not a gym person. I would go a couple of days a week just because I like wanted to be skinny air quotes. Right. And like I played sports and I danced, but I didn't exercise was not my thing. I never thought I would love it. I just wanted to not be like chunky and eat donuts when I feel like it. That was like my goal. That's a so, good goal. yeah, thanks. Still, still low key the goal. Yeah, still lie. a good goal. Yeah, just throw in like a like a snatch goal in there too, and then there you got go. it all figured out. But that was where that's truly where I was at. Where I was like, I don't think I want to do this with my life, but I think I would love the opportunity to talk to other people whose experiences with CrossFit are minimal to really bring them into the fold and help them understand that kind of if I can do this, you can do this, and I know where you are. And I know how to ease you in or to like truly explain things from the ground up so that you can get a solid foundation here and love it the way that I have come to love it. So that's like finding when when new people are in class or when you're doing a one-on-one or an on-ramp or even I programmed on-ramp for a few of the gyms that I was at. And that was just like truly the most fulfilling and enriching experience. Like it's great when you can help someone get a muscle up. That's also epic. But I just feel like the first time you take someone through 21-15-9, like something religious happens right. in that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I just think yeah. it's really special. Yeah, I, I have no desire to coach in, <laughs> in much of a capacity. I like helping people across all areas of my life, not just CrossFit. But that's the one thing I enjoyed about it was getting to help people figure out what what were the efficient movements, where you should stand, where you should be, how fast you should be moving here, what your rep scheme should look like. I mean, it was an AMRAP. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed those parts of it. 
I'm not a teacher and I can barely hold my own attention for an hour, let alone an entire mm-hmm. class. Good you know. to know about yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to know what your strengths are. I was a terrible student. I can't imagine I'd be a great teacher. It's just not my, it's not, it's nothing that I'm passionate about. And that's with all due respect for people that are passionate about it. Like it makes me respect them more because it's a hard gig and you have to mm-hmm. really want excellence. And I just don't want it that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't. That's okay. But yeah. It was fun though. I liked it. I'd do it again in a pinch if I had to. Was there anything that was stressful about it? Like, I feel like sometimes the time management or the like figuring out where all the equipment goes or whatever, especially in a Saturday class, right? I am assuming you had quite a few people there. Well, I've done enough Saturday classes in my career to know how to organize where everyone should be, where they should be standing, how to get everybody together. Like none of that was really an issue. I don't know. I don't think anything was particularly harder than, than the other keeping a class's attention is difficult to some degree oh my God. if you've Hurting never done tests. it before yeah and this is a gym probably the only difficult parts is this is a gym has a long-standing history of an existing coaching team and i would say saturdays in particular loosely run yeah so yeah. so it was hard for me to wrangle them all in and then probably the hardest part was um we just switched to programming by proven and there was no programmed warm up. So coming up you know, with a warm up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like coming up with one on the fly. Right. And, and it's nothing that any of these people are used to. Like I've, I was trained by other people. So I've, what I do for a warm up typically is wildly different than what they've seen before. And, right. And so I, I just try to customize what I knew to what the workout was going to be and try to get yep. movements that, that worked within that so they could get their heart rate up a little and, no one would rip a shoulder out and mission accomplished. No one got hurt. And that was really all I cared about. So that's what it's all about. Yeah. And they yeah, all seem to have fun. I think that's a yeah. universal experience. Like coming up with warm ups can be tough and can get really tedious. We started because at my gym, we have uh, we have an owner who's also a head coach who's really the only full time. Well, there's kind of like one other full time employee, which is not a full time coach, but he's yeah. really the only like full time employee coach. And then, um, three or four other coaches who are just like part-time like me, like I coach one class a week. So what we've started to do is on our respective coaching days, like even if it's just like, I only do Wednesdays. So Wednesdays is like my day, even though there's other people coaching other classes there, they also coach during the rest of the week. So for Wednesdays, I'll come up with the warm up for that day and I'll email it to the rest of the coaches. Mm -hmm. And so it's just not, it's a little bit broken up. I mean, Dave owns a gym. He still does yeah. 99% of the work, but at least in coming up with warm ups, it's a little bit less tedious. Right. And if, even if you're like the 415 coach and I send you a warm up, it's one less thing you have to do that day. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think typically we do have programmed warm ups. We just hit a space here where we go into new programming. Jen was out of town. Mm hmm. You know? It just mm-hmm. kind of, it was, you know, one thing that I think they hadn't thought of or considered prior to, prior to that. So Were you figured it out. Yeah, I figured it out. It wasn't that hard. Do you have anything on the docket right now in terms of an event, a competition, a nutrition goal? Like you, you usually have a goalpost that you're working toward mm-hmm. and a lot centered around that in terms of your training. Do you have anything on the docket right now? 
I have nothing. Nothing. Just is that is that calming or is that like stressful? Because you because it helps you to have something. Oh, I don't know if it's either. I don't know if it's calming or stressful. It's not stressful. Okay, have it, but it's not calming either. I don't. I don't stress out about having those goals. If that makes sense. Like when I set a target mm -hmm. for something like last year, when I was training for Wadapalooza, I wasn't stressed about training for Wadapalooza. I was, I just, so I don't feel less stressed for not doing it this year. I should Got say. it. Got it. But yeah, there's nothing really on the agenda right now that I'm, I've struggled with that a little bit mentally of, should I find something to train for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it worthwhile with everything that I have going on? I just have so much going on right now. And it's just been a hard season. Mm -hmm. Just trying to find my way through it. Yeah. I wonder that sometimes with people like you and, and I have a couple of friends who are like this too, just very goal oriented people who become incredibly motivated when there's something coming down the pipeline. Is it like, do you almost need that to help regulate all the other things going on in your mind and in your life? For me, I have something, something coming down the pipeline gives me anxiety. I'm like, oh God, it's coming. But for you, you're like, just dialed in. You're like, oh, I know what I have to do. And here I am right. doing it. And now it's just a part of my routine. So I just wondered if not having that was like, does it feel freeing or do you feel like something's missing? If you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely don't feel like anything's missing. Yeah. I don't know. I've just, I've been crazy busy at work. I've had a lot going on with my kids. I've got a lot going on with this and, and the other pages and stuff. And none of that's a complaint, even a little. Just I've had a lot going on. And so thinking about, you know, what I should do three months from now hasn't really been on my radar. But now that you say it, I should probably be considering it. Well, I mean, I should. Like I, that's part you mentioned earlier about like workout keeps you yeah. yeah, like it makes you happy and those things help me. And like I've made no secret with ADHD and all the other crazy things that go through my head. It's I got to stay focused on things to not spiral. You know? Yeah. It's very, yeah. very easy, very easy to spiral and to get in a routine of negativity. You know? Isn't that so. the truth? Yeah. And for me, like it's super easy to spiral into just straight anxiety just straight yeah. panic uh, and the tr triggers are everywhere <laughs> and especially when you're busy and you're feeling stressed out with other things like work it just becomes really simple to forget the things that bring you peace right and just focus on the stuff that really sets you off and that can just right. be that can be rough yeah it just i don't know i i at this age i think i've learned to work through some of that stuff like I know that these stressful periods of these busy times will pass quickly when you get back into a, a normal season. And for me, they are getting some of the things that have kept me busy are getting less busy. My older kid who lives here at home started a new job that has better hours and she's driving herself and everywhere else for that matter. So mm -hmm. I'm doing very little for her other than just being a dad, which is a nice change. Uh, not, that cool. those, not that those other things aren't being a dad too, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm like not running the, errands. Um, you're not the shuttle anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And you know, my youngest, I barely see. So like that side of my life's getting far less complicated. So 
just have to figure out how to fill the time. Can't relate. Gonna mm-hmm. start potty training soon. Lord help me. You'll be past all that stuff so fast though. And it's like, you don't even remember it. It's, it's weird. I don't remember that vividly. Like really? The, yeah. The hard stuff, like the potty training and the wiping the butts and cooking them dinner every night. Like, I can remember it if I put thought into it, but it's never something I look back on with regret or fondness it was just like those are the routines it was like all the other things that you remember all the good yeah. stuff the trips and yeah the first and the first soccer game and all that stuff yeah no you're definitely right because i have some friends right now who have kids let's say friends with newborns right or kids who are like still within their first year and they'll be going through stuff and they'll ask me i remember i have a girlfriend a few months ago her her son is one but a few months ago she was like, oh, I think he smiled for real for the first time. She was like, when did Hunter smile for the first time? And I was like, if I remember, I don't know. I I have no idea. But when you're in it, when you are truly in the trenches of whatever stage of parenting, or I think you can apply this to anything in life that is like all consuming and can be incredibly stressful. Right. When you're truly in it and it seems like the most important thing in the entire world in that moment, you're like, well, I could never forget this first smile. Mark the calendar, tattoo it on my skin. It happened at four months and seven days or whatever it may be. And then you truly do, you really do forget because you're on to the next stage. Yeah. And it is crazy to someone who's going through it. It is crazy that you don't remember. Yeah. But you like, you just fucking don't. It's wild. Yeah. It's the brain's a weird thing, Nikki. I know someone, one of my pregnant <laughs> girlfriends asked me the other day, when was the first time I felt the baby kick when I was pregnant? And I was like, what? I have no idea. <laughs> Seriously. But that's yeah. like the most important thing in the world to her right now. So like, how could she ever even yeah. imagine forgetting? It's crazy. Well, I really don't remember that period. <laughs> well. I know. I mean, like the little baby period or even the pregnancy period, like all that's so out of my brain. You don't even barely remember when you were pregnant. It's crazy. Barely remember. Hey, the husband deals with a lot too. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Hey, don't downplay men. They work hard. Like we're not carrying the baby. And I realized it doesn't have the same impact on our bodies, but I put a lot of work in when my Mm -hmm. girls were little, a lot of work. Oh, that absolutely. I do not doubt. During the pregnancy, I put in a lot of work. I realized there was like, no, like, again, I'm not dealing with the, you know, the, all the craziness that that happens to women's bodies. And I'm not downplaying that, but you know, I just, I think men, if they want to be or go through a lot and I wanted to be, I was really involved. Yeah. If you want to be involved, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So in any event, Hey, we have a guest and I'm gonna let him in. Hold on. Let's let him in. Bring it on. Justin, what's going on? What's up, team? How's it going, John, Nikki? I don't have any kids, so no. uh, just dogs. So you and, definitely uh, don't remember what it was like being pregnant. No, and I'm not going to make an argument that dogs are harder than kids at all. Because You know what, though? Dogs are super, super similar. Having, if you ever adopt like an eight-week or 10-week puppy, it is truly like having an actual newborn, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I can see some similarities, but I just don't have anything to compare it to, so it's really hard. 
wait, side story. And then I, we should actually talk about what Justin's here to talk about. But when I got Griff, who is my younger dog as a puppy, and he was eight weeks old and we were creating him overnight, but we were letting him out every two to three hours to pee because he was just, just a baby baby. Like you can't leave them overnight like that. I was so sleep deprived. I could not make this shit up. I was so sleep deprived that I ended up talking shit about my boss at work to my boss at work. And I was like, this is insane. Like, I have made a grave error. I'm so sorry. But the reality is when you're sleep deprived because you have a newborn, you get a few weeks off from work. (laughs) When you're sleep deprived because you have a brand new puppy, everyone expects you to just be chipper. (laughs) And you're not. Through that. Through that. Uh, Anyway. Let's let's introduce Justin. Thanks for showing up, dude. So uh, for everyone listening, Justin runs Consistency Breeds Growth, which is a company many of you guys have seen me talk about recently. And we were chatting, well, we chat often, but we were chatting about a bunch of athletes that he's bringing on. And I think that's a really cool story. Like you have all these kind of elite athletes that we love that you coach. And I think the perspective of coaching an elite athlete is really interesting conversation. So I thought you'd come on and we talk about your athletes behind their back. No, we talk about what you do. So we would talk shit about yeah. your athletes to your athlete. Wait a minute. Not the problem is he has all his athletes are like the nicest ones. And so you can't even talk shit about them. It's that's like true. Ridiculous. They really are. Was that, how'd you, how'd you work that out? That you got all these like really nice, I, I know like everyone's like, they're all nice. No, they're not. And some are nicer than others. And like you have Chandler Smith as an example, who is like the kindest, nicest, sweetest dude on the planet that you've ever met. How'd you get all these nice people? Yeah. So yeah, this is a good story. So I've been working with a number of my athletes for a really long time. And so over the years, like as CBG grew and the brand grew and I grew, I started to reach, reaching out to athletes that I seen potential in. So there are a lot of companies out there that work with a lot of athletes and it could be for a wide array of reasons. It could be for branding purposes or for growing their business. There's a little bit of that involved for me, but most importantly, I have to believe in the potential of the athlete, right? And so semifinals three years ago, Granite Games, I watched Jesse Harper at the time just fired me up i was just like so excited to watch her compete i didn't know who she was until i was out there and so after the competition ended i was like hey do you feel you can use some support like on your nutrition because i can i can probably help you if it's something that you're interested in and then from there i started working with jesse obviously she was engaged to chandler shortly after chandler not making the games the year before this previous year wanted to make some changes from a recovery perspective and in a few in a few different other ways and so he he reached out to me and we were able to connect so that's how i work with with the most beloved crossfit couple <laughs> right that's that's what that's how i like to describe them anyways just justin so. can you take a step back for people who have never heard of cbg is it is it just a nutrition program? Is it other things too? And what's your approach? Is it a macros thing? Is it a something else thing? Give us the high level. Yeah, yeah. This is a, th- thanks for asking. So we've been in business around 10 years. Oh, dang. Right? Okay. Yeah. A long time. Jeez. This is how it works. Like people just show up like this past year. They're like, oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, nah, it's, been, <laughs> it's been, been a minute. Been, it's been, 
Great. Yeah, I have want... lots of questions about the competitiveness of your field, but continue, please. Yeah, very competitive, but we're all trying to help people. So mm -hmm. 10 years and we have 10 full-time coaches now. So a lot of the coaches that I hire, I'm really looking for them to make this into something that they can do for a really long time. So a lot of part-time coaches out there. And it's great to have a full team that's like fully immersed in what we're doing. CBG stands for consistency breeds growth. So consistency is a huge part in CrossFit and nutrition and everything that a lot of us do, right? Without it, we wouldn't really be anywhere near where we are now. And so our approach at CBG is to help CrossFitters lose body fat, build muscle, crush their wads without tracking macros, right? So finding simpler ways that people can stay more consistent over the long term with their nutrition to be able to reach some of those goals. And so, yes, we're exclusively a nutrition company. And so that's where we're focused on growing to be able to help more people and athletes, weekend warriors like John here. But I just do CrossFit for fun. We, we're, this is what my team is focused on. It was so interesting. I was going to ask how you broke, quote unquote, broke into the field, right? Because it's such a competitive field. But you maybe started it. 10 years is, I mean, that's like when CrossFit first really started to get its feet underneath it. So you're yeah. really coming in right at the start of the momentum building. And so how do you stay relevant? in a field where there are many, many nutrition companies, lots of them sponsoring giant name athletes, buying ads and trying to market themselves. Like, how do you compete? Yeah. Yeah. I think a couple things I would say you, you got to believe in like what you're, what you're actually getting people mm -hmm. to your coaching. Like you have to believe in it. So 10 years ago, when I started the company, I said, tracking macros is not sustainable. Hmm. And people you were laughed. like, I'm planting my flag in the sand about 100%, this. hundred percent. Right. And 10 years yep. ago, a lot of people laughed at me. Everybody laughed at me. Everybody was tracking. Right. Not nearly right. as many people are laughing now. Uh -huh. so I had to believe for 10 years, right, until this day that I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think that's something people are going to do forever. There has to be an exit strategy for people outside of this to manage the nutrition a little bit easier and to be more consistent. And so I, I stuck to that. Right. And finally, it's to a place where we're, we're able to help a lot of people. And so that definitely helped me stay relevant. The consistency of believing in like myself, my team and what it is that we offer is super, super important. And I see it all the time. I see a lot of new nutrition coaches out there that I think have a lot of potential. I'm like, wow, this person has a lot of potential. And then I just see them quit posting and mm. quit providing value. And I would say one of the most important things is just continue to stay consistent with what you're selling, what you believe in, and bringing about actual deliverable results to people through relationship, right? So like at CrossFit gyms, we have relationship, right? But in the nutrition coaching space, there's a lot of people out there that don't build the relationship side, right? When it comes to coaching, I can have, I can, I can definitely go into that a little bit more if you guys are interested, but building the relationships with people, right? It helps give the, the best results and allows people to be fully immersed in the process with you as you're coaching them, right? So this is something that we built out. It didn't, didn't start that way, but it's something that we, we have now and we believe a lot in. It's got to be hard from your perspective 
as the person with this hot take a decade ago, right? Who everyone was like, no, 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 but I count macros and it gives me abs for 12 weeks. Yeah, It's got to be tough from your position and also from the position of your coaches, who I'm sure are dealing with loads of people who just fall off the wagon, right? And I have this conversation with my husband all the time who works in healthcare where people come to him like seeking this magic bullet or the silver bullet or whatever and, and want the answer to their health and wellness. And they don't want to put in the work. And it discourages him because he's, I'm not going to give a shit about you if you don't give a shit about you. So it's got to be tough from your coach's perspective and from your perspective as the leader of your organization to to stay consistent with your messaging and your value and your your relationship building when how many people on the other end are just like, Ugh, I'm all sad actually. Yeah. I think a lot of people underestimate how little it takes to actually start seeing some results, oh, right? But they also underestimate how consistent they need to be in the long term to keep and maintain those results. And so a lot of times that beginning and that momentum is like absolutely crucial because then things become like more natural for you and they become part of like your fabric when it comes to nutrition or anything, right? So an example would be, like Nikki, when you ride past McDonald's, you don't have this urgency to be like, oh man, I need these chicken nuggets and sweet and sour right. sauce. Right. Ugh, I can't fight if you it. You were you like know? Starbucks and PSLs, you'd be more on my level. But yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah I right. got you, I got you. So with McDonald's, you fly right by, okay? And it's very easy for you. For other right. people out there, it's not. It's How do we make like you meal prepping enough, getting your protein, all those other things, just as easy as it is for you to just drive right past McDonald's? Yeah. Right. And so that's where the habits, the coaching and a lot of the things come in, right? So a lot of people think it's so hard. It is. It was hard to resist McDonald's too, especially like for me growing up, I used to have McDonald's all the time. I was just this mm -hmm. little donkey kid that always loved fast food. But eventually like you break away from some of those habits, becomes part of your fabric. And now I can't even tell you the last time I had fast right. food, right? Not that it's on a forbidden fruit or anything like that, right? But it's just not something that makes yeah. me feel good and that I need. And so, yeah, I think it's making that connection for a lot of people. So, yeah, it can be super difficult, but there has to be, and this is something we send out to everybody that we work with when we start, is what the coach-athlete relationship and responsibilities are, right? So a lot of, the, uh, it seems it's very undetermined a lot of times when you sign up for a coach, you're doing these different things. And so we send out something immediately. Hey, read this. These are your responsibilities. Hmm. In the questionnaire that we send out, you said you wanted to do this and lose this weight and feel this way. And then at the bottom, you signed. You just signed a contract with yourself and also with us that we're going to work together on a team to do this, right? And so when you, when you sign up with me and my team and we define what those responsibilities and things are, this, this sets the tone hey, this is the type of program that this is. And these are the results that you said that you wanted. And right? it works. Like, I'm so jaded. I'm like, people will sign okay. whatever. They don't give a shit. Like, yeah. But it does. You find that it does. Because someone is consistently there holding their hand and helping them along the journey. Yeah, it's, it's a part of it. I think the accountability comes through your relationship side. That's absolutely key. If you have a coach on the other end, you feel like doesn't care about you that much. So take, for example, like, the coach at 5 a.m. that's like sipping the coffee, just like chilling, sitting down. And you're like 
doing the AMRAP. Dying, yeah. Yeah. You're probably not going to push that last couple minutes, right? But imagine the coach at 5 a.m. that showed up on time, was early, um, took you through the warm-up, guided you the whole way through, recommended the weight that you need to be using, and then the last couple minutes is like by your barbell, like mm-hmm. encouraging on, you. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's go, like one more minute. How many burpees can you get? Come on, come on. Mm-hmm. There are other people in there. Like you have all of this mutual accountability between everybody. The coach that cares about you is going to be able to help you get much better results, and then yeah. you're more likely to follow through with that because they're they're doing what they need to be doing as well. Sure. And the same goes for nutrition coaching. So that's the the connection that I think we're we're always striving for. John, you're so good at this. Like when you are in a groove, consistency is like your friggin' middle name. You're so good at it. Like you're so good at committing to the routine. How do you get there? Damn, that's a good question, Nick. I never really thought of it in those terms. I I've always understood that the long game typically wins. Logical. Yeah, I mean, it is. I'm really good at following directions. Like I, I notably talked about doing P90X before I started CrossFit. Mm-hmm. That was easy for me because it's 90 days, you know? I like that's how my mind worked. And I was thinking as you guys were talking about people signing the contract, I bet, I'd bet any amount of money you wanted to put on the table. If you took Justin's teams, whatever you're charging, doesn't matter. Just pick a dollar amount. And you said control group A. Mm-hmm. It's going to pay full and sign a contract with themselves and a coach. Group B is going to pay half and they don't sign the contract and they get a coach. I will bet you any amount of money that group B does not have anywhere near the success group A has. That's interesting. Because they're not as invested. There's no contract and they paid less and they have to know they paid less. That would be key in this test. Yeah, of course. They'd have have Mm -hmm. to know they got a 50% discount or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? It, when you lose that value with yourself, well, why finish? You're not really losing yeah. anything. I'm going to lose right. half of what I would have lost. Like, that's how the yeah. human mind works. And mine has always been like, I was never the best athlete ever. I was never much of an athlete at all growing up. I've never was naturally gifted in any capacity for fitness. But I knew if I just stuck with it, over time, I'm going to beat all those people that are naturally gifted that aren't showing up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, and I treat work the same way, by the way, I don't think I'm the best salesperson that ever lived. I just figured out how many appointments everybody else was running. And I just ran more law of averages tells you you're going to win most likely all things yeah. being equal. And I don't think this is any different. You want to lose weight. You got to do the same thing for an extended period of time. And, and you have to recognize it's not fun. And I think that's the reason why anytime I've had a nutrition coach and why I love groups and specifically CBG here is that you need that accountability in your life and someone that's going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Weight loss is not fun. It is not fun. You're going to be grumpy. There are going to be days you don't like it. Days you want to go drink a six pack and eat some Doritos. Yeah. To Justin's point, you're going to drive past McDonald's. And if that was your thing, you're going to get that craving. And now we're taking it away from you. So now you're hungry and grumpy. Right. You know, it's just bad. And you need a coach that's going to talk you through those things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think- love that your logic can help you see past that stuff too. That's 
Everything that's passes. A special, that's a special yeah. skill. Everything passes. The, the interesting thing about nutrition coaching for me, and Justin, maybe you can speak to this, is I think it's important because even the most common things, rules and diet management or whatever you want to call it, are it's almost like pregnancy brain. You mm-hmm. forget them. You just forget. You just get in these routines. Like I was thinking about this today because I haven't been exactly feeling myself energy wise lately. And I was driving home and I thought to myself, you know what? I've been eating nothing but chicken, rice and broccoli for some time. I've had no red meat in my diet. I don't know why I changed it. I have no idea, but I'm sitting there going, I probably have like an iron deficiency mm-hmm. or something. I'm not eating a lot of eggs and I don't have a lot of red meat in my diet. It's basically chicken and rice every day. I'm like, I'm, there's probably some sort of nutrient my body's craving and I'm not recognizing it. And if I had an active nutrition coach, they would have said, why the hell aren't you eating ribeyes mm-hmm. or, or filet or whatever? And so that's partly why I'm really passionate about nutrition coaching for people because I think people look at it and they go, I can buy a book on diet and I'll be fine. I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. They feel the same way about run coaches. Anybody can run, so I'll just go run, you know, right, right. and everything else. Yeah, so exactly. I, exactly. So I know I ranted for like 10 minutes about that one topic, but I would like to hear it from you, Justin, like what that, that value piece that you're providing people, what are the changes it's making in their lives that the mistakes mm. they would have made without your coaches? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people that we work with, they already have a good consistent routine going to their Costa box, right? They're paying for their CrossFit gym membership. They have coaches there supporting them in all the right ways. The program and everything is planned, right? On the nutrition side, they have nothing. It's free for all. Right? They don't have anything. Right. And so I think when people eventually that that find our program, I find they come to the realization that Okay, so there's two aspects of CrossFit if we break it down into kind of two components. There's a strength and a cardio component. The cardio component is for cardiovascular health or heart health, right? The strength component is for being able to get stronger and long-term functionality, right? The nutrition is where the body composition changes actually happen. You trying to work out to look better is you can do that, but it's not the biggest lever that you can pull. Because in a typical CrossFit workout, we burn 250 calories somewhere in this range. No, don't right? say that. I wanted it to <laughs> yeah. be like 2,050 so calories. Yeah. Yeah. And I say this on sales calls and people are like, really? Sure. I'm like, Are're yeah, sure. that's one that's one donut. So like you, you pick what lever you want to pull. You want to add in more workouts or do you want to leverage the nutrition side? Justin, are you saying that abs really are made in the <laughs> kitchen? Yeah, that's the truth that I, I that at least from like the CrossFitters mind, I like to put it into that perspective for them that it, it is. Yeah, it's 80, 20, all these things people come up, right? That's it, it really is. It really is important for body composition changes. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of the results at CBG and some of the clients that we work with. A lot of people are in a period where they're super frustrated tracking because they've tracked for so long and they're doing this off and on thing with macros now like they're tracking for a couple of days and they're not i feel attacked yeah <laughs> so nikki if you 
let's say you decided you're a vegetarian, right? And then it, you eat plant-based for three days and then the other three days you don't, you eat meat. Are you a vegetarian? No. Right. So you're not actually tracking macros if you're right, not exactly. tracking day, right? Right. Yes. So the, the idea behind it is if we're going to track macros, we have to know what our intake is to a reasonable degree. And if we decide we're going to track during the week and not the weekends, we're not consistent enough tracking. And so this is something that's super frustrating for them. And so in our system, we teach people to harness the skills that they've already built tracking macros because there is a lot of great habits and things you can learn from tracking, right? It's all not like bash macros and all these different things. There's a lot that you can learn from it. We teach people how to understand their intake from there. And so this helps build like a better relationship with food. And of course, people are starting to stay more consistent and they're seeing results. And then as a result of that, they're eating more consistently instead of fueling their social life, they're fueling their wads, they're fueling mm -hmm. their performances at the gym, PRs, body composition changes, and all those things happen as a result as well, right? So yeah, I would say the, the, those are sort of some of the avenues where I see we're, what we're really good at and how we've been able to, I guess, help people um, in, in the best ways. Justin, are you coaching people in addition to running the organization or are you just high level these days? Yeah, so I am coaching a little under 10 people cool. right now. I work with a lot of our higher level athletes currently, but a lot of my day to day is content creation, mm -hmm. some sales stuff, like managing my team. Like I said, I have 10 full time coaches. When other people that run our social media and do some of those things as well. So that keeps me like pretty busy, but I, I do have a short list of athletes that I'm working with. Cause you're so chill. I feel like you bring the level of Zen to this conversation that would make me listen to you if you were my coach. Cause I would be like, like what John was saying, I'd be like, oh man, like I'm pissed. I had to drive by Starbucks and I couldn't get my goddamn pumpkin cream cold brew and I'm fucking hungry. And Justin, I want a cookie. And you'd be like, okay, let's just relax and think about your intake. And I'd be like, okay, I'm thinking about my intake. I just, your approach must be quite unique in, in how you are doing that relationship building and sort of managing the difficulties that come with the, the nutrition coaching and the nutrition consistency that I am sure elite level athletes have. Like we think that they're these superhuman people that just are born snatching 300 pounds. But the reality is they have the exact same issues, anxieties, and day-to-day -day problems that every single one of us do. So what yeah. is it like and how do you balance the emotions that come from coaching the elites, especially when you are so chill? Yeah. Yeah, I think like what you said is like when your dog start, starts barking and then you also start yelling, your dog just like starts barking more. So you have to this like also what happens in my house. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> you have to like you have to be you have to have some level of like confidence in like whatever you're doing to like stay calm and make sure that you're talking through things like logically with people about what's occurring and what's not occurring, because there are a lot of people that immediately when the scale doesn't drop or they're not seeing something right, mm -hmm. they immediately think nothing's working. This is not because maybe some things in the past they tried did give immediate results, right? Or yeah, I mean, they're just in that state of mind where like 
they just invested in something and they want to see things immediately, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to like athletes and things like that, our athletes, and I, I tell this to a lot of people and they don't believe me, but they struggle with the exact same things that like oh, yeah. you and John, I struggle with our nutrition mm-hmm. habits, building consistency, right? Like these are all the same things, not making sure that they're eating enough like during the day so they don't overeat at night, weekends and planning and all, just this stuff that we already know where we mess up. Athletes struggle with the same exact thing, you know? There's a wrench in there with like competitions and things like that. And then for me, when it comes to like nutrition coaching day to day, it's relatively, it's very similar to working with a regular athlete, let's say, as it is to work with a CrossFit Games athlete. As we get closer to competition, it gets a little more, there's a little bit more of a stimulus there. It puts everybody on high alert to make sure that everything like goes smooth. So the key for, and one thing that we use for our high-level athletes is to make sure that we have a competition planned ahead of the the big competition to make sure that we have everything in, in order. Interesting. So like row coming up is a good opportunity to work through some of the kinks with our athletes and things like that. Very much like what a programming coach would go through. Oh, this totally. is what event we did best in. This is how, what we need to do to strategize for this. We strategize wrong. These are the different things that these coaches are learning as well. It's the same thing with nutrition. There are a lot of athletes I talk to that I just start working with them. We have a competition coming up and I'm like, where are you staying? Like at a hotel. I'm like, okay, is there a microwave? Do you have a built? Is there a kitchen there? Are you staying at an Airbnb? Like, where's your food coming from? These are all things that are like, Mm-hmm. A lot of athletes, they don't plan ahead. They just get there. They're, they're excited, but they're also nervous. And like, this is where a coach comes in and can, can, can really make sure that they're, they're, they have the athlete in a place where they can set themselves up for success when it comes to the nutrition side of being able to compete. Because so having carbs yeah. between events could be the difference between fifth and 22nd. You, you let them... Right. Eat Snickers bars and Coke like Frazier used to do. Coca-Cola, I should say. Make sure I made real clear what Coke was. <laughs> uh, you, you doing that at competition or, or are you keeping them on the straight and narrow? Food quality can be sacrificed during competition, right? Because appetite is suppressed at that point, especially like all the, the blood in your body is, you know, driving itself to working muscle tissue it's not focused on digesting or doing any of those things right so appetite is usually a little bit lower and so um using liquid carbohydrates and easy digestible carbohydrates like coca-cola pop tarts and crustables candy like these candy yeah they every elite athlete has a friggin freezer gallon bag of candy with them at games it is wild basically just describe my entire college diet also like pop tarts and i'm like yes yeah, lucky charms Both kinds yes. crunch yeah so yeah there's a little bit of sacrifice in food quality there but not entirely right i mean we still have to right. add some food quality in there for the iron the b12 like some of these things are super important for transporting oxygenated blood and providing energy so like it, it's early in the season like now until mid-january for a lot of our games athletes 
it's very much structuring and building the habits, supplement integration to make sure the supplements that we are taking in are working, they're third-party tested. And then uh, food quality is super important to set up for the long season of making sure we're not getting injured and all those other things. And as we get into open season, we can start sacrificing food quality a little bit more to hit the calorie requirements necessary to just be able to recover and, and go go into the next workout. So, so you're telling me to eat more pizza during the open this year. That's all. What I heard. That's exactly yeah. what I heard. If you're and doing a, if you're doing a repeat, then. I would I would go for it. If no repeat, then no pizza. No. If you're yeah. doing a repeat, you can have a pop tart before and after. That's why there's uh, no. You can only have half a one because, according to Justin, we're only burning like 250 calories in a workout. <laughs> you're totally that's right. About, that's about that's what it. a pop tart is, I think. <laughs> in one seven minute open wad, it's like 85 calories. No, <laughs> it's not as much as people think. Don't it, say it, that. Don't yeah, come on this not, podcast. I wish it was too, because we're working so hard. Mm-hmm. So people have that. Oh man, I just went to complete exhaustion. Mm-hmm. But it's just not. It's not how calories are burned. Right. You know, it's the right. short, a short time frame. So, so yeah. At least then you it, keep burning, right? Isn't that like part yeah, of? You'll keep burning like after. Stimulating you know? our systems to the point to keep us healthy, high level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll keep burning. Obviously, your heart rate, your heart rate, rate obviously stays up after any type of high intensity stuff. So yeah, I'll tell you one of my favorite things about being able to get to know the athletes in the way that we have on this show, and truly over the last ten years, like on the sidelines of the competitions, is understanding that they have just the same concerns, fears, anxieties, whatever that we all have every day that we step into the gym, or I guess on a competition level, you could probably liken it to the open, right? Like when, when the open workout is announced and you're going in Friday night lights or Saturday morning with the whole group, I will have nervous poops for a whole 24 hours before I go into the gym. Cause I just know what's coming and I freak out. I'm like, Oh man, what is my strategy? How am I going to do? I don't know if I can do this and everyone's going to be watching or whatever. I hear the exact same fears from the athletes moments before they step out into the competition yeah. floor like if i'm talking to them in the corral and i'm like hey you ready for this they're like Mm-mm. i mean some of them are quite confident in what they do but they still have questions about like, did i strategize right did i eat the right thing did i whatever i don't know am i gonna nervous poop myself when i'm out there I mean, you might so it's it's yeah. just interesting to hear the way that you approach working with them is yeah different in that it has the parameters of a competition season with the fact that like you get to tweak strategically potentially in a way that you might not if you were working just with John on a daily basis, but but that they're sort of like addressing the same mental struggles or the same emotional struggles that we're all dealing with. It makes them feel a little bit closer, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah I'm just like an elite athlete is what I heard you say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the stakes are just a little higher for them. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's no different. Like I go into an open workout and I'm like, oh, my knee's starting to hurt. I haven't felt this in six months. Mm-hmm. Going mm-hmm. on, your body starts going crazy. And you, you're, you have, you're thinking about the workout and your heart just starts racing. So yeah, I mean, that, that happens to them when they go out there for multiple, like back to back to back to back yeah. and then over the course of just a short window of time. So, yeah. In, in all the consistency that you preach, do you give them a break? You know how the athletes will oftentimes take a week or two or four, depending on who you talk to, off after games. 
Are you ever like, all right, just go eat shit for like a week, have fun, come back to me afterwards when you're ready to like get on? Do they have not cheat days? Everybody has cheat days, and I'm sure your programming consistency is about not depriving people and et cetera. But does it, do they ever get like straight up time off? Yeah, usually about a month or so. Like Got we're it. keeping in touch, like just text, making sure everything's good, you know. Um, but you know, keep in mind too, like during this time frame, like your body needs to find, like, how do I put this? So you just finished a really hard workout. Okay. What do most of us do? Like after a competition, we go get some beers and all this stuff. Yeah. Like know? a burger, fries, a yeah, burger, fries, yeah. beer, alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, the burger and fries, maybe that's, that's fine. You're not going to honestly be able to in- consume the amount of calories that you probably just burn throughout a day. If you did three to four events, a thousand calories, it's a lot, right? So you can eat a burger and fries, right? Makes Sound, sense. That sounds like a challenge. I, th- I bet I could consume yeah, I bet that. You, I, bet, anyway. I bet if I put you to the challenge, you might. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. But like alcohol, for example, right? That's probably not the best thing for your body when it's in the least recovered state, right? And what we end up doing is after, and it, for us, it doesn't really matter so much. So, because we don't need to recover, we're not going to do another competition for five months or something. Right, 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 right. But for them, like after like, the open and quarters and semis, like they have to stay dialed in during that whole time frame. And then after the games, yeah, those, there's a month where obviously they're, they're, they're in the off season officially when it's good to decompress so that they can mm-hmm. put more effort into the long season that's to come. I think, I think athletes are still only starting to recognize how that they really need to focus on taking time off after the games and stuff yeah. because nobody else does this like multi-million dollar NBA, NFL players are taking multiple months off yeah, yeah, yeah. after they're, they're done. So like yeah. crossfitters, it seems like for years, they just, they always just keep going. Nobody's season is quite like ours either. No, it's very long. Very and long. Money to be made in the off season for yeah. a lot of these athletes too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting topic. But I would just worry that they would feel sick. They spent the last eight, nine, ten months really dialed in, and then they take a month off and just eat pizza and drink beer and ice cream i would be if you're my nutrition coach i'd be like is this what my poop is supposed to look like because i don't feel right (laughs) this ain't right Mm -mm. yeah yeah i think the month off or something is is good though i think yeah mentally yeah and then we start just building back the same habits and stuff like that (laughs) you're like for this month just drop pop tarts and then we'll see what and we'll 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 lower something else next month. We'll get we'll get back into the chicken and rice. Here, I, we'll we'll uh, up against time, but I'm gonna wrap up with a question I know you can't answer. Who's the first athlete you're gonna put on the podium? <gasps> the first athlete that I'm gonna put on the podium. Yeah, which one? Well, Sam made the podium in 2020. The COVID year. Oh, right? okay. Which the weird the, games. Well, that one counts. But they that brought five. They brought five in. So yeah. Sam was second behind Matt that year. So that was the first athlete that I've ever had on the podium. Were you coaching him then in 2020? Yeah, yeah. I've been coaching oh, Sam Quant dumb. for like a really long time. Five years. Dumb, dumb question. So Sam Quant was the answer. You was a long. You gave me a long answer. I actually, Sam Quant. Right. Now, Matt, so you should. He's already done it. He's already yeah, yeah. done it. Already, already done it. 2020 counts. He was. He was a spec. 
spectacle that year. He was just, yeah. it was yeah. wild watching him. So I thought yeah. he had a great year this year. Oh, for he, sure. Yeah. I was just, I was lucky enough to be on site with the five right. in 2020. And so it was like, yeah, really powerful to see. And also, I don't know, a lot of people don't know this. We didn't have music on site. There was no like PA sound system, MC. There was no hype right. the way that there is at like a regular competition. So it was right. really just intimate and quiet and special yeah. and powerful. And I was like, these guys are so Yeah. Yeah, I would say each of my athletes have like something that could, I would not be surprised if any of them ended up on a podium. I was so looking exciting. at the list and I was, would not be surprised. I thought you were going to get Chandler this year. I legit, oh, he, yeah. he looked really good. He had, he had good games. Yep. This wasn't meant to be. So. I thought so too. Everything set up for the year made it look like, and his mindset was there for him. Too. Good. Like he That's really, great. yeah, he sharpened up big time. And he had a really like busy year too. I mean, he got married and like, all these mm -hmm. things happened and he still just was, he was dialed in this year. How many months did you have to coach me to make me look like Chandler Smith? A Why'd lifetime. You, a you lifetime. Both, you both <laughs> laughed. You, you would need two of you standing side by side to just you, you, equal the width of that man's chest. You I just allow really... the guests to laugh, Nikki, but you're not supposed to laugh in my face. Jesus. <laughs> Every everything is possible. So there are athletes that I work there. Like I want to make it to the games, and they've been in a CrossFit gym for a couple months. I'm like, hey, look, anything's possible. How what time do do we have? What what? How consistent are you willing to be? These are some of the questions. But in terms of looking like Chandler, man, there's some there's some genetic there's some genetic things there that just, I just don't I don't know I don't know if any. Yeah. He took all three of our DNA. And I don't want to chalk anything up for genetics. It's like the worst thing to say as a nutrition no. coach, but we could take the best DNA of all three of us, the best of it, and put it together. And I just don't think we could we could beat him in a workout or any. I just don't. I don't know. Wait, I, don't I really yeah. like that. Justin was like, if someone is in a CrossFit gym for two months and tells me they want to go to the games, I say anything is possible. But yeah. if John has how to look like Chandler. Yeah. Wow. Well, mine was the more outrageous. Um, but more outrageous. <laughs> Here's a good teaching moment. There's a good teaching moment, though, actually, right? Um, no one ever looks like anybody else. You could do the same workout, mm. the, eat the same, same amount of calories, sleep the same, and you'll never look like the person next to you. And yeah. this is why the comparison game is uh, a dangerous one. We need, to be, we need to be smart about how we're doing that and we should be focused on improving ourselves and drawing inspiration from seeing other people improve so that answer good, yeah it's a good way to it's not possible for you to look like chandler smith it's not, not possible like for you, me john. or it's not possible for chandler to look like you john it's just not in any way it's just it's impossible because nobody ever looks like the chandler could only be so lucky that's all i have to say it's <laughs> the clip only, the clip i know <laughs> You can only be so lucky. You guys, this will drive you guys crazy. We'll wrap up on this because it could be a longer discussion, but I have to tell the story. I was meeting with a guy today and he has been sick recently. He's called and he tells me I've got high blood pressure mm -hmm. and I'm like, what are you doing about it? He's well, the doctor prescribed me some meds. I'm like, what else are you doing about it? He's nothing. That's it. I'm like, did your doctor talk to you about nutrition at all? And he's nope. Wrote me a script. And I'm like, 
He's what? I'm just sitting there shaking my head. I'm like, he asked you no nutritional questions whatsoever. Yeah. None. He's like, nope, not a word. And I'm like, man, this is, and I'm not picking on the medical field. This is one doctor in one little community. But, but I am th- sitting there going, man, like how many other people are getting that experience worldwide? And then just limit to our little CrossFit group of how many people are struggling day in and day out with no real thought about how important nutrition is and just how you move and what happens to your blood pressure and heart rate and everything else. And, and so that's why I love talking to nutrition coaches because it gets me fired up. What, what could be for people if they just really consider that the things you're eating are impacting all these little parts of your life. And you're never mm-hmm. noticing it. Drastic. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Thanks for joining. Super fun, as yeah. always. Justin and I talk all the time because I'm creating memes for him, so we're DMing back and yep. forth. Perfect. And, and he has to he has to deal with all my divaness around memes, so he has a harder job than you, Nick. It's great. It's I don't good. know you're, what you're talking about. He's mm-hmm. consistent with with his memes, of course, yes, as he is. he is running the podcast and everything else he does. So it's a pleasure mm-hmm. working with you, John. Yeah, it breeds growth. You could say it does. All right. (laughs) Well, Justin, thanks for joining Nikki. Great to see you as always. Again, feel terrible about your pup. Let me know if there's anything I can do. Give Matt my regards. For For sure. sure. Thanks. All right. Well, for everyone listening, thanks for joining this evening and we will chat with you guys soon.